Welcome to Spooky Cookies, a horror movie podcast where we sit down with a plate of cookies and nerd out about horror movies. I'm Chris, a depressed gamer foodie. And I'm Kirby, a fat librarian bitch. (laughs) Together, we're a married couple based in Philly with a shared love of cookies, horror, and each other. Whom we call Cookie. Join us as we discuss one movie each week. Our first season centers around feminist horror, which we're very excited about. So sit back, relax, and enjoy some spooky cookies. Welcome back to Spooky Cookies. Spooky Cookies. After a unexpected hiatus, because <laughs> we just got way too busy. Because... All the high, all the atus. Yeah, we ate the atus. <laughs> um, things just got too busy. We are sitting down this week to discuss and eat gummy worms. We're cheating this time, and the cookies we're eating are not cookies, they're gummy worms. But this week we're watching, where we watched, the Babadook. Babadook is a 2014 Australian movie, by the way. Mm-hmm. I thought they were British, but I was wrong. <laughs> Written and directed by Jennifer Kent, uh, starring Essie Davis. This is probably pretty up there. Up there. As one of my favorite horror... It's probably my top ten favorite horror movies. Because there's so many layers to it. I can agree with that. This is... um, I think this is my third time watching it. This is your second time watching yes. it. So, is this the first movie we've both seen multiple times? From this list that we've seen so far, yeah. And, um, sorry, chewing, chewing these little gummy worms. Um, and obviously the gummy worms are apt because of those of you that know the ending of the movie. Mm-hmm. Where, spoilers, there's always going to be spoilers on our podcast. Um, the spoilers is, there's spoilers. Uh... In a nutshell, how would you describe the Babadook in a nutshell? Mm. The whole movie? Yeah. Or the part about the gummy worms? Both. Okay. So, in a nutshell, it's the idea of someone's resentment being made into monstrous form. Well, that's an analysis. It's not the plot. Ah. (laughs) You you wanted me to, like, summarize it. That's how I would summarize it. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, a you're doing the opposite of most what most kids do when they write a book report. You're oh, yeah. analyzing it instead of summarizing it. <laughs> um, okay, summary. Remember, a I usually is... do, you want me to do it because I. Yeah, you could hit it a little faster than I can. It's basically about a woman whose husband dies in a car wreck, mm-hmm. driving to the hospital where she gives birth to her son, and she has a lot of resentment towards her son for her husband's death. And her son has a lot of, like, uh, de- seems like... Behavioral devel- issues, yeah. Behavioral, possible developmental issues mm-hmm. and things. And a lot of the movie centers... A lot of the beginning of the movie centers around how difficult it is um, for her to take care of him because she's a widow. And it's, it feels like nobody around her will even really let her grieve because they're kind of like, yeah, well, you know, it's been seven years or whatever. Um, so she, it's very like claustrophobic, um, and, uh, with him like screaming and stuff and like climbing all over her and like, you know, wanting attention and affection and stuff. Um, and then they get a book called the Babadook, which describes a monster essentially. Mm -hmm. And she gets a little freaked out and she's like, what the fuck? 
and the Babadook starts manifesting as like an actual entity in their home and the Babadook eventually possesses her and it it comes across as this rage towards her son mm-hmm. or actually towards all living things and at the end she confronts it uh head on apply directly to the forehead <laughs> and um <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to just discuss the plot and not yeah, like yeah, analyze yeah. it or whatever um she confronts it and it like sort of becomes a, a weaker version of itself and hides in the basement which is where she keeps all of the stuff from her husband who died and at the end you see that she has a healthier relationship with her son but she still has the babatoot kept in the basement with her the stuff from her husband and she feeds it earthworms to keep it alive but just barely mm-hmm. so that's why we're eating gummy worms so yeah i'm feeling alive but just barely mm-hmm. pretty good too mm-hmm so that's the Baba Duke in a nutshell. See you next time. No, I was playing. Um, <laughs> in a Duke shell. So it seems very like on the surface a monster movie, mm-hmm. but it is not a monster movie. Yeah. Now you can talk about your analysis. <laughs> so some of the first things to notice is uh, beginning of the movie, it has her kind of reliving the moments of the car crash. And <clears throat> she kind of floats into bed and, you know, really doesn't seem well rested. And her son's, I, I might get this a little out of order, but okay. just follow me here. Mm-hmm. Um, so her, you, you, you see her son and he's pretty like needy and like has like, um, problems sleeping and has to sleep with her and like kicks and thrashes and stuff. And so the the opening, essentially the opening of the movie, she, you know, comforts him until he can get to sleep. And then she rolls over and just seems really like, just really exhausted. And, Dead inside um, too. And she's like created this big space between her and her son. And then it like zooms out of the bed, just kind of reminiscent of how it zoomed into the bed when she woke up from dreaming and it uh you know opens with the title the babadook um which is kind of interesting something that uh, kirby pointed out is that a common trope with horror movies that include a monster is often the title screen like flashing up is um when you something s- related to the monster like or you seeing see a its claws it. yeah. or something like that they'll usually and so be the glimpse like- of the monster is the way that she feels towards her son yeah because usually it'll be like the first sort of sacrificial lamb in a horror movie is like the person that's gonna die immediately Mm -hmm. just to show you the monster and then it'll be like you know uh buzzkill 7000 or whatever like (laughs) (laughs) and like that'll splash on the screen or something and like but with this yeah it was um it was on that frame of her being scooted as far to the edge of the bed as she could be to mm-hmm. get away from her son. Um, so already hinting that the Baba Duke is an embodiment of her resentment and anger towards mm-hmm. her son. Yeah. You don't initially get the sense of anger mm-hmm. that's there, but throughout the movie and her interactions with people, she's getting like closer and closer to this breaking point, And you can tell that she's like, just trying to hold it together or at least look like she is 
And one of the, I think one of the important things that comes up is her son has some behavioral issues at school and gets like, she gets called in and is like, you know, the boy has behavioral issues and, you know, this is a problem and things like that and needs, that essentially the school was like, he needs boundaries. Yeah. And she, she was like, no, he needs understanding. And I think one piece to that is that <clears throat> she's not looking at her son the right way. Mm -hmm. She wants understanding for him because she wants understanding for herself because nobody's providing her that understanding that's like she hasn't moved past what happened. Yeah. And if she had some understanding and some people who like were like, hey, no, I, I, I get it. You need some of this time to grieve and mm -hmm. let her grieve. But given her son's personality and needs, she hasn't had a chance to really grieve. No. And no. she doesn't let him down there. So um, there's some obvious signs that she's not even letting him deal with the, the passing of the father. And so she's not dealing with the passing of, of her husband. Yeah. Um, I mean, she literally locks him out of it. Um, there, He yells at her like, you won't even let me have a dad. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, th there were moments that made you genuinely like throw up your hands and be like, "I would hit this kid." <laughs> yeah, not, not that I condone the, the kid was, children, but the like, kid was an excellent actor for this role where because he you, was so frustrating. You could, you could feel her be. You, you felt with her being at your wit's end, yep. especially the way the kid would like scream and stuff, and you would be like, "Oh my god!" Like stop! Like yeah. <laughs> um, and you know. It's interesting that the thing you said about like, you know, her being like, he needs understanding. I think, and obviously like, this was a, a huge part of the movie is just like the, the dichotomy in between like a good mother and a bad mother. Mm -hmm. And the thing is there, realistically, there's, there's no such, there's really no such thing as, well, I guess there could be people that are bad mothers. Let's, let's be real. <laughs> um, but it's very rare that someone you can have the last one. There you go. Or the last blue one. And I'll take the last red one. Um, mm -hmm. It's, it's, most people do not fall solidly into good mother or bad mother. Like most people are kind of a mix of both or depending on the circumstance, they could be one or the other. Mm -hmm. Like pe people are human, you mm -hmm. know, like people can, you know, and it felt like at the beginning she was trying so hard to like be a good mother. Mm -hmm. And that felt like the kind of thing that like, a good mother was supposed to say in a horror film mm -hmm. like that. That seemed like the kind of scene where um, I actually think this was something that was in one of the articles I read, but I don't know if I actually took notes on it, mm. but uh, which by the way, one mm. of the articles I read pointed out so many small details that like, even after watching, this is why it's one of my favorite movies is there's so many details that I was like, Holy shit. I did not notice this the last time I watched. Um, there's layers to it. Um, but uh, what was I going to say about good mother, bad mother, about that it feels like the kind of thing that you're supposed to say? Mm. I've lost it already. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, basically, she was trying to play the role of the good mother. and Oh, oh yeah. I remember. Uh, okay. So, and another thing that we talked, we talked about this when we were watching it, um, that often in horror movies children are like centralized as like save above all else mm -hmm. like put yourself in danger you know yeah they're, they're always made to be very sympathetic characters like mm -hmm. helpless or sweet injured or, or sweet or something sweet. yeah yeah um 
like they they want you to have a very paternal or maternal instinct towards towards them. Like, I mean, it's expected. Sorry, it's expected in horror movies that the parent will always save the child. Yeah, and that, and I think it's because the expectation is you would like to think that you would do that too. Yeah, that you would instantly be selfless and put yourself in harm's way without a without a thought, you know, or whatever. But that's actually not realistic. <laughs> like, I think a lot of people, self when self-preservation kicks in, they may not think of their children. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Like, and I'm not well, saying... the other thing is, like, um, you know, if if you... On airlines, they always uh, tell you, you know, if the oxygen mask is dropped, you first. save yourself first yeah. and then the kid. Which which makes sense. And I, I think that you're you're on a, an interesting track with that because she initially tries so much to play the role of a good mother but that's not fair to her as a person yeah and so she's not putting on her oxygen mask first she's letting herself suffocate while dealing with a kid who's thrashing and things like that but you notice that when when actual horror things happen later in the movie Mm -hmm. she does not run for her son yep her instinctive thing and it, it does not what i like about this is it does not make a big point of like you know discussing that in the movie or pointing it out it's something that you just if you know like horror movies and you or you know like what generally happens in movies like this you notice it because you're like she did different she didn't run to save her son she ran to save herself she did not save him like Mm -hmm. she was just kind of like fuck this (laughs) just like ran at at no point does he raise up to his mom like Why'd you try and why'd you save yourself first? I'm so upset or anything it's like just, that. Like, it's, it's something just... that's left to the viewer to yep. notice. Yes. Which I like it when a movie does that where it's like, you'll figure this out. Yeah. <laughs> um so two details that I wanted to point out to you. Okay. That these are the two details that I missed all the times I watched. Two it. deets. Um it was in, it's in an article called <clears throat> When Good Mothers Go Bad, Genre and Gender in the Babadook by Paula Quigley. Um, oh, <clears throat> before I tell you these two details, by the way, so we always ask, because our first season is about feminist horror, what makes, now the Bob, what, what makes the Babadook, sorry, I'm jumping all over the place. Yeah, all over the place, yeah. <laughs> what, the question we always ask is, what makes this movie a feminist horror movie? Because our first season is about feminist horror. Mm-hmm. And, I think a lot of people looking at this would be like, how, how is this a feminist horror movie? Like, it's a, it's a monster flick or whatever. But the thing is, if you, Obviously, if you watch it, you know, if you know, like, good horror, you'll know that, like, okay, this is obviously not just, like, a like a monster flick. This is right. something deeper than that. So this article defines um, what they call a woman's film as a movie that places at the center of its universe a female who is trying to deal with emotional, social, and psychological problems that are specifically connected to the fact that she's a woman. Um, now... I'm going to take some liberty with this and say that like woman is however you would choose to define yourself or however the character chooses to define themselves. Just like, you know, I take that as a more of a broad thing of like femininity in a way. Yes. Um, so, uh, the Babadook is definitely horror because it's, it's about that, not just the horror of like losing your husband of being in this sort of weird, oppressive Oedipal relationship with her son, near mm-hmm. Oedipal relationship with her son, but also like the societal constructs that are placed on her because she's a woman mm-hmm. where it's like, 
you can't grieve now because now you're a, mo- a, a mother, so you can't. You're not allowed to like grieve. You're not allowed to like. There's, sacri- there's no time for you to grieve. Yeah, right. You you're expected to like sacrifice and uh, be exhausted. Like everybody around you expects you to be exhausted, mm-hmm. and it's like you know it doesn't have to be that way. Like you know you can choose to just not like. <laughs> um, well, I mean, obviously she couldn't just because she did have a kid and stuff. But like, yeah. there were choices that she she I mean she could have like the school said set boundaries with him and things like um so the two things that I did not notice is one the Babadook I mean get into it first you're jumping I'm sorry I'm jumping around so much there's so much with this movie point one point one please (laughs) the Babadook is a uh caricature of the clothing of her husband's oh yeah okay because it does... No, I noticed that because when they were downstairs and um, I think it was the magic show that the, the boy had put up, mm-hmm. um, had the clothing up there and I was like, oh, it's kind of like the Bubby. Yeah. Yeah. It does make a, a link to that earlier in the movie where uh, there's like a, a what I would call a soft jump scare where she looks over there and gasps and then she realizes that it's just his suit hung hanging up or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's like the the manifestation of the Duke is her husband's clothing. Like literally it's the grief about her husband dying, becoming a monster. Okay. And the other thing that I was like, this was the thing that really blew my mind where I was like, holy shit, I did not even pay attention to that line. Mm-hmm. There is a throwaway line where she tells her sister's friends, I used to write children's books. Oh, she wrote the Duke. She wrote the Duke. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's okay. Okay, that's a detail that's so cool that went over my head that it kind of gives me chills thinking about it because I'm like, that's cool. That's a good way to tell a I story. Also, I also like that the actual physical book of the Babadook in in the movie, mm-hmm. it's not finished because she's still writing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. So, that's so cool. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Because <laughs> it was just, it was. I I did not even really like connect the two where i was like oh she said that she writes children's books and then a children's book shows up yeah and the interesting thing is at no point does it ever clarify what type of children's books she wrote Mm -mm. nope nope it was a very like and she seemed she seemed almost like um surprised by the content of the babadook I do think that she was sort of like maybe did it like in a fugue. She was in a fugue state. I was going to say in a fugue state. Like I, <laughs> I don't I don't think she was like, you know, or, and if you wanted to get into like literalism, is it it's like, did she like black out and write the Duke, and then this has all just been hallucinations because she's snapping? Is the Duke some kind of magical manifestation through her mind? Like the book manifested from her mind or whatever? And I think that's, I don't know, fascinating to think about that where it's like, well, you know, which is it? Like, is it, um, I don't know. It's cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, we we usually go into an assessment of it mm-hmm. in uh, out of 13 cookies. Did you want to go ahead and do that now? Well, we're only like about 20 minutes in. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, we usually save it towards the end. Um, Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, we, we did have some moments in the story where she's kind of showing signs of snapping, like not having it all together. Like, um, it was like the, the truancy department or like, 
So, something, some, it, it some was, sort of like it was some kind of organization that we're not familiar with because we're not Australian. Yeah, yeah. But basically, they were like, "Son hasn't been in school for a while. You need to get him enrolled." And yeah, they come in and check on the place, and uh, the house is you know kind of not as together as she usually has it. And um, she's like, "Oh, sorry, uh, I was just uh, uh, trying to patch up this wall. You know, got uh, got roaches coming in." And the, like, there's no hole in the wall or anything, mm-hmm. even though that's what she saw was a hole in the wall. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it kind of kind of lends to that idea that all of the Babadook was something that she hallucinated. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the movie, she seems to be in kind of a more stable frame of mind. Mm-hmm. And uh, yet there's still the Babadook. So we're never really given a full impression of whether it was all real, all imagined all a dream or what so and i kind of i kind of like the ambiguity of that yeah in a movie like this i know a lot of people disliked this movie because they were like well the ending didn't make sense and i'm like it makes perfect sense because if you again it doesn't make sense if you view it as like a monster movie just like a typical horror monster flick or whatever but because it's more of a psych it's more of a psychological horror masquerading as a monster movie yes um her grief and her anger is not going to probably ever go away. No. It's not ever going to be to die or be vanquished or yeah, whatever. Just needs to be managed. And I think that's one of my favorite things about the Baba Duke is the fact that like it does not expect her to make this magical return to being the good mother. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say like which I think a lot of horror movies would have been tempted to do. Right. Because a lot of them are like... Well, it feels... It, the the viewer, it feels like a satisfying ending to, to, to go like, from like kind of a trying hard, trying too hard to be the good mother into actually becoming a bad mother and then this wondrous transformation into the good mother um, with no flaws and like pristine and everything. Like, mm-hmm. And I, I think that in essence is one of the things that really makes this a feminist movie because... It's not trying to take the the roles of femininity, um, motherhood, and caregiving and trying to turn them into this um, pristine, perfect, and, like, pure um, journey or something like that. It's saying, like, you know, it's going to suck and there's going to be tough days and everything, mm-hmm. but if you manage your emotions, no matter how big and scary they are, um, you know, you can you can have a successful, like, you know emotional yeah yeah you'll you'll be emotionally healthy yeah Um, and it's not trying to like show that you need to make tons of these sacrifices of yourself to be able to care for like a child or something because um she's more clear about her boundaries in the like final act of the movie um doesn't she at the very end doesn't she tell him no about something but she does it in a very like firm but gentle way mm-hmm. i can't remember what i remember us pointing that out like it's like the very fun the right before the fair, final scene with the worms where um uh or isn't it about the worms or the the babadook or whatever where the son asks can i see it and she just says no you can when you're older yeah yeah which i also thought was interesting that aspect of you can see it when you're older Hmm. Yeah, and I I think that's something like, you know, her son's too young to recognize what the resentment is or under fully grasp why it, there's this, you know, this monster in their house. 
And because all the son would interpret it as is like, mommy hates me. and I don't know yes, why. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, that that child level of simplification of the situation. Whereas, I mean, it took her time to deal with figuring out what it was. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, maybe maybe someday he'll understand like, oh, I was I was a lot. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, but yeah, that's I don't know. I, I, I really like the who wrote this jennifer kent um i really liked her approach like i said of like that there there's a happy ending that's realistic because yeah. like i think that when i mean her son is not to blame for what happened um but i think when something like that happens and there's somebody in your life that either was with you when something traumatic happened or they were possibly the cause of it or something um there there really is not a way to fix that easily mm -hmm. um and sometimes it it's never fixed through no fault of your own and through no fault of the other person's it's an anger that can't be fixed mm -hmm. it's an anger that can only be managed in healthy ways which is what she does with the baba duke she's like mm -hmm. i will i choose to feed this i choose to like quote indulge this um which i mean like you know for some people that may be like um turning to like art art or something or writing a story or something that gets out some of their anger or listening to angry music in your car or something like a way to like ha have a healthy outlet to your anger yep. so that you don't direct it at your child um also you mentioned the uh the cockroaches earlier so yeah. one of, one of the articles that i read let's see it's called the beak that grips beak gripping um, Maternal Indifference and Ambivalence in the Abject and the Babadook by Shirley Berger. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but it says that the, uh, one of the things it points out is that like, often she's sort of made to feel, the main character is made to feel like ashamed of her sexuality and ashamed of like her vagina because to her it's kind of like this disgusting to her thing came out of it, which is her son. Oh, okay. okay. And they pointed out that the hole that the cockroaches come out of is vagina shaped oh yeah okay all right and i was like okay that's interesting this this horrible thing that's infesting my house has come out of this slit yeah <laughs> and they're like oh the cockroaches and she's like no my son <laughs> no a son jesus <sighs> let's see so one of the neat things about the Baba Duke is also that you can sort of frame it as many different genres if you want to. Like it can be, you can look at it as a monster movie. <laughs> you can look at it as a psychological thriller, a psychological horror. You can look at it as like a Freudian nightmare. Um, you can also look at it as a very like feminist gothic movie, like um, which a lot of that has a lot of like gothic stories have to do with like isolation and repressed feelings and like just being dramatic with you know like your coat bellowing in the wind or whatever <laughs> uh very uh heathcliff Walk, walking through a house that's very empty compared to you know how many people are living in it right walking on the moors or whatever the but moors. um but the article that i mentioned earlier which was when good mothers go bad by paula quigley um it talks about the gothic and the babadook of how um the house is very like gothic and it's not even a very large house which normally when you think of like a gothic house you think of like 
this the mansion yes this huge manor with all these empty rooms and like probably furniture that has like sheets thrown over it and stuff and um candelabras to light your way (laughs) right you know you're you're in like a gauzy like long nightgown yeah you look pretty in a nightgown (laughs) um and uh most of the time in gothic stories there's usually a room or an area that's considered off limits oh yeah it's considered a very like gothic thing um, and anyway, this um, this article says in gothic uh, romance films, the forbidden room is a metaphor for the repressed experience, which the off limits room would be the downstairs, the downstairs yeah. where her husband's stuff was. Yeah. Um, the heroine attempts to disclose and visualize the secrets of the mysteries, just like the psychoanalyst opens up the mysterious depths of the soul. Opening up the forbidden room is the cathartic moment in the story. So I think it was right around when she snapped or when she was about to snap was when her son went down in the basement mm-hmm. and she got, she became furious because he had gone down there yeah. because he had opened a can of worms. Is that why there's, is that why it's worms at the end? I just thought of that. I I think, I don't think that's, that's more of an American phrase, isn't it? Open up a can of worms. Open up a can I, of I don't worms. know the origin of it. Did you can do worms equal uh whoop ass? Open up a can of whoop ass. Open up a can of worms. Oh, open, a, open up a can of worm whoop ass. <laughs> Open up a can worm of worm. Open up, open up a can of worm ass. <laughs> <laughs> Whooped worm ass. Uh, but um, spank that worm. Spank that worm. Um, and I think that um, obviously we are not parents yet. Um, as we talked about when we discussed Rosemary's baby, we've been we've been trying for a little babs. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, we have not been successful yet yeah um but um i think that something that really resonated with me with the Duke is again like i'm not a mother yet but like there's a lot in this movie that like i am afraid of becoming i am afraid of like um letting my anger get the best of me but not just letting my anger get the best of me but like being forced into a situation where I feel like I can't vent or let it out and that people around me are basically just what's in the movie of like the societal pressures of motherhood. Right. Of, and I think that there's a lot of things, well, probably with most things, not just motherhood or parenthood or whatever, where um, it would be easier. It's already difficult, but it's harder with the societal pressure put onto it. Um, and I think motherhood is definitely one of those things where um, it's already difficult. And then having this pressure of like, if you don't do it the exact right way, or especially if you screw, God forbid you screw up or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, um, that, I mean, that that's like, I, th- I think the essence of the horror in it is you're perceived as a monster. Yeah. Because mothers are, you're either perfect and good or you're a monster. Yeah. And I think that, um, like, no offense to men. (laughs) No, actually, full offense. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that pressure is not put on men and fathers. Correct. Yep. The men and fathers can get away with the bare minimum and they get father of the year. Like they're, you're perfect. Yeah, if they even have a, I think they have more father of the year mugs than they do mother of the year. Um, <laughs> um, well, cause it's just, it, I feel like fathers can, if you're me, if you're not a bad father, 
it's like the opposite. If you're not a bad father, you're a perfect father. But with women, it's like if you're not a perfect mother, you're a monster and you're a terrible mother. Yeah. And that's uh, that just sucks a big old sopping dick. Like, yep. <laughs> um, just drops a big old Baba Dookie on your door. <laughs> and um, it's just, it's, I mean, I'm just waving my arms around right now. Feminist horror, like, you know, it's yeah. just some, it, you know, takes something that is a scary thing and then says, what if, and then it cranks it up to 11. Like, yeah. that's. That's what a good horror movie does. An excellent horror movie. Yeah. Um, do you have anything to say on the topic? Yeah, I think uh, related to that topic, um, one of the things that does make this, you know, additionally feminist and kind of gives us uh, some things to think about is um, for for our journey into um, becoming parents, um, you know, you, you've got more of that, that, you know, you have more of a fear mm-hmm. of motherhood and the expectations put on you. Um, whereas I don't really have a fear of the expectations of being, being a father because, mm-hmm. um, from, from my viewpoint, I don't feel like, um, I'll have any issues being a quote unquote good father. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really worry about the expectations and I, I feel a little bit more free to, you know, kind of parent the way mm-hmm. I, I think would be effective. Um, and so I just, I don't feel the same pressures you do. Um, yeah <clears throat> we've talked about this before but about how it's like it's it's a very different um yeah um but i think one thing that feeds into it is like as a to be mother in an in indeterminate amount of time in the future it feels like the more you try to this is tangential to the babadook this is just going to be i guess us talking <laughs> at this point <laughs> But it's 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 relevant because it's about like you know fears of motherhood and things. Um, it feels like the more you try to like prepare yourself because you're scared, the worse it gets as a mother. Because mm. if you try to read any kind, I've read all kinds of books about like, um, so everything from just kind of like like autobiographical stories of people being like, here's how it was with my first kid. Or books about like how to take care of your your babs or whatever, <laughs> and um, they're all like, they all make motherhood sound awful and yeah. terrifying, and I know that uh, to some extent they're trying to do that so that people won't be like motherhood is easy or whatever, but um, it's both that they they make it sound impossibly hard, which I know that it's hard. <laughs> And I'm sure somebody's going to come on here that, like, is a mom that's, like, I just did, like, a head bob. Um, uh, But it's that accompanied with there's sort of this, like, holier-than-thou attitude in a lot of these books where when the author discusses their own, like, experiences, they're like, it was really difficult and blah, blah, blah. By the way... um, I refused to pump. I used only cloth diapers. My husband never helped me. I did everything by myself. Also, like, you know, my arm was shot off in the war. And I'm just like, why did you? You you don't make me feel better. <laughs> like, Well, it's kind of like, it, it, it's like they, these books always present motherhood as this, like, honestly, terrible thing. 
But then you're looking at it and you're like, okay, but you're doing motherhood on hard mode and you don't need to. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I well, just, you can't help losing the arm in the war. Well, but. yes, but you know, you, you know what I'm saying. Where it's like, and a lot of these things are things that are that are choices. Where it's like, yeah, like cloth diapers and such. Which like, you do you if you want to do cloth diapers or whatever. But like, it does make it harder mm-hmm. to like, you know, it's. I mean, that's a whole other discussion about like uh, disposable diapers versus like cloth diapers yep, and blah yep. blah blah and like. Although what I will say, and I, ever since I read this somewhere, I was like, yeah, it said, why is it the first people who are expected to make sacrifices with like the whole like trash debacle thing that we're having happen nowadays or whatever, the first people who are expected to sacrifice are mothers. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, you know what? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, that was a tangent, but like just jazz hands, motherhood yeah (laughs) but um i i really love this movie it it um it opens up a lot for discussion it is very dark and i think goes to dark places that a lot of other horror authors and uh, writers and directors like wouldn't go like the fact that it doesn't kill the monster um it feels very like david lynch inspired um, which I'm not sure if it is or not, but it feels very David Lynch inspired, mm. um, which I always love. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so any, any, you want to give our rating on it or whatever? Yeah. Um, hmm. Well, still wanted to keep a, a, a little bit of a uh, headroom in terms of, uh, you know, horror movies and things. Um, I think I would give the Babadook, uh, it's hard not to give it a 12 I'm, out of 13. I'm, oh. I was, I was going to write down my number so that you don't, you can't see it. Oh, well, yeah, too late now. So it's, it's hard to not give it a 12 out of 13, but I think I'm going to have to say like an 11.75 out of 13. I'm going like to say 12 out of 13. We do a baker's yeah. dozen, by the way. Yeah. I'm going to say. So almost, almost 12 out of 13 is where I'm at. No, I I think I'm solidly at twelve out of thirteen. Again, this okay. is this is the third time I've watched this movie. I am thoroughly impressed that after three times watching it, there were still things that I did not catch. Things that yeah. I was like, "Holy shit!" Like that mm-hmm. <laughs> that that makes so much some more sense now. Um, but yeah, any final thoughts, Cookie? Um, that's good. That's good. It's a good movie. Yeah. 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 That's good shit. But uh yeah, no, I I I liked Babadook a lot. Um I think I liked it more the second time around. Um and while you know, I wouldn't consider it like the most frightening movie in the history of existence, um it does make you face some human experiences that um a simple monster movie would not have you face. Yeah, exactly. And, exactly. And I think that that makes it um stand more of a test of time um mm-hmm. so yeah sounds good yeah by the way next week's movie drum roll on my there you go thank you <laughs> next week's movie is a girl walks home alone at night well that sounds terrifying that sounds so scary so spooky um yeah it is a iranian vampire movie what uh spoilers 
Is that a spoiler? I don't think it is. It's like on the it's on the Wikipedia log line, so <laughs> Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's gonna be next week. So yeah. Good night, Tiki. Good night, Tiki. <laughs>